just reflecting on the qualities that we're trying to grow and nourish here in our practice. And some of these qualities are hard to develop. So I thought it would be useful to tell about beings on this planet that have very much developed, if not fully, embody these qualities. And one of them is a cousin of Ajahn Chah. His name is Ajahn Ganha. And many decades ago, I believe, Ajahn Ganha was traveling in northern Thailand. Northern Thailand is on the border of Burma, Myanmar, as it's now called. There's a lot of rebels and militants and those kind of camps hanging out in the jungles. So as a forest monk, he was on tudong, which means walk about. You walk from village to village and collect your alms. They have very big alms bowls compared to our small bowls because when you're alone and that's your one meal, uh, you need a lot of strength. He was walking and he got kidnapped by some of these outlaws. And they were very rough. They didn't treat him nicely. They thought he was a spy. Forest monks basically don't carry much. Just robes, bowl, one of those wooden umbrellas, and a needle to sew the robes, some thread. And they wander from village to village and get fed. They don't carry food. He didn't have much, but they thought he was a spy. And they questioned him and grilled him and maltreated him quite a bit. But Ajahn Ganha was probably already a very highly realized monk. And he was very gentle and he didn't protest and he didn't resist. And he was quiet and soft. And after a while, when they were questioning him and getting angrier and angrier, because they could not extract a single thing from him, not even a, a bit of disapproval. Like he was just kind. He had so much metta. So after a while, they began to treat him better. And then they began to sit and be with him and listen to him and ask him questions. Maybe he gave them some Dhamma teachings. And he was there for quite some time. And then finally he decided to leave. And when he was ready to leave, they didn't want to let him go. But they didn't want to let him go because he was a spy. They didn't want him to go because they loved him. They grew to love him. And they didn't want to lose him from their presence. I find this a very inspiring story. It's true. This really happened, as I've heard it, from reliable monks, bhikkhus who have known him or, or studied with him or studied with Ajahn Chah and heard this story. And the meaning of it for me is it's a proof that this is possible to develop, to embody these qualities that we, that we feel are praiseworthy, that 
if all human beings in the world behaved like Ajahn Ganha, there would be no bandits, there would be no hostilities, there would be no weaponry, there would be no need to spend billions of dollars on, on military weapons, particularly those that could destroy everyone. So what is the end of destruction for us as human beings? What is the end of destruction? Usually we think the end of destruction is a safety for us. And how are we going to be safe? And as I was mentioning last night, how do we create safety? We take refuge. And what do we take refuge in? We take refuge in that which is safe. Well, what, what is that which is safe? It's, it's not a fortress. It's not having a gun. It's not living completely cosseted and cushioned from all kinds of problem people. Like the Buddha lived in a palace. And then he went out against his father's will into the town to see how ordinary people live. But he lived in great safety and protected even from seeing sickness, death, and old age. So we can't be protected from those things. We can't hide from the ills of life. And we can't hide from the enemy, whoever that is, whatever that means. There is no hiding because there are so many people in the world that are blind. I don't mean visually, I mean blind to kindness, to goodness, to morality, to virtue, to non-hostility. So we can put alarms and locks on our doors, alarms on our homes, burglar protective systems, but our kama is there. And on the day the thief or the terrorist or whoever it is arrives, we will be found unguarded and helpless in that way. But the other protection is an internal one. How do we protect ourselves from creating an enemy, making others into an enemy, making uh, other people through our opinions and judgments into an enemy. If someone has harmed us in the past and then we see them again, there will be fear or there will be aggression or there will be a sense of mistrust or maybe you want to get back at them. Because through our ignorance we hold these poisons and we repeat them. We non-verbally hold them. We've been stung and we hold that poison. Even decades after something happens, we could still have fear, hatred, resentment towards someone else. They could be dead, and we still harbor that when we remember what happened. So this is a sickness, and the sickness is within us. The world can never be made safe, never. We have no control over our own minds. How could we possibly control others? 
And so what we have to do is we have to do this work. This is the work of disarmament, of laying down weaponry, of giving up hostility, of abandoning negativity from the mind. And this project, although it's easy to say, well, I, I won't be angry. I will not be angry. You make a determination. I've tried this. It's, it's hard, really hard. I won't be angry. Yeah. And then some small thing happens, and this gush of ill will comes rising up out of the blue and takes over the mind and colors it red. It, it can be on fire in a moment. We have different degrees of this energy depending on our, on our wisdom, on our practice, on our karma, karmic work, how much we've been aware, how much we've been able to notice and cleanse from within that energy. But how rare it is to meet someone who has no anger. And if we meet someone who has no anger, it's quite likely that person will not have fear either. And that, that's a treasure. That is someone to follow. If we can meet such a person, we should try to stay close to them and learn how that is done. And even like the bandits wanted to stay close to Adangana, because Perhaps they being so devoted to fighting, to warriorship, to gaining power in unskillful ways through murdering people, kidnapping them, causing division, divisiveness, animosity within a nation, between different kinds of people, standing up for their rights, rationalizing these violences by standing up for their assumed rights as a particular group, ethnic group, or whatever. There's nothing, nothing in this world that bears rationalizing the killing of beings. Because we never can, if we do that, how can we then forgive ourselves? We will forever be remembering that harm that we caused and bearing the results of it in our own hearts. So the danger that we are in is grave, but the potential for us to extract ourselves from danger, to realize a place of safety in the heart, are great. Grave, great. They're so great, we can rescue ourselves from this predicament. And how do we rescue ourselves from this predicament? Well, we've already started. We started because uh, we're here. We have the wish, the chanda, this is a wholesome wish, the desire to do this work. And to do it, we have to be disciplined. We have to be disciplined. We have to purify the mind, moment by moment. We have to hold ourselves steady even in a, a big wind. And the winds 
the winds in the mind are, are going to get stronger the more we try to sit still. There will be problems, obstacles, and we have to be brave, brave to solve this grave dilemma, to remove the danger, to establish sanctuary within us. <laughs> 